You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. for small groups, 10 a.m. for worship, or anytime at asburybosier.org. Well, it's good to be with you as we continue our series experiencing Christmas. Today we talk about, um, do you hear what, do you hear what I hear? Do you hear what I hear? Leading us into that Christmas miracle of God having senses of God's own. God having ears to hear our prayer and our lament. And maybe even God encouraging us to hear each other in a new and different way. Our scripture lesson is from uh, Isaiah chapter 42. It will be on the screens. It will be online. And it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his teachings. See, the former things have come to pass and new things I now declare before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the end of the earth. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the coastlands and their inhabitants. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Uh, Earlier this week, or or last week, I had the great fortune of being in Austin, Texas. We were having kind of a a think tank meeting about digital discipleship. And you know, we've been talking a lot about that, of how to incorporate technology into our shared lives together. Specifically, we were talking about formation. How do we still live into Christian formation in this augmented age with technology and live streaming and all of these things that we have found to be truths post-COVID. Uh, we recorded, uh, on the first day, we recorded uh, a live podcast talking about formation in this uh, augmented age. And uh, one of the folks who was there, Christian Washington, uh, who's from Los Angeles, fantastic. He's an amazing human being. Uh, he's done like a million, I don't know how he has time for breakfast because he's done a hundred things. Uh, and he was talking about the, the, the similarity between Christian formation, going to a new place spiritually, He was comparing that to the hero's journey. Do you know the hero's journey? Hero of a thousand faces, right? Uh, This hero's journey, it begins with the hero is is in uh, an uh, an out-of-the-way place, and they have a calling to go somewhere to do something to save the world. They have a calling that is beyond themselves, and then they meet a sage who gives them some kind of talisman, or the, the sage equips them for the journey, and then they go off on this journey, and initially they fail, And they have this kind of moment where they come to themselves, they set out again and they are victorious, and then they come back home forever changed and forever changing everyone that they meet. And as he's describing this hero's journey, I I interrupted the podcast and said, you know you're talking about Moana, right? You're talking about Disney's Moana, right? So here she is, she's born on the island of Montanui, 
right? This out of the, out of the place uh, island, and uh, she has this calling, right, to go out into the sea, right, to be a voyager. It's something that's beyond herself, and she has a connection with her grandmother, the sage, this wise person, and she gives her the heart of Tefiti, this little green gem that she wears that equips her for her journey. She then sets out uh, on this journey and, and, and fails, right? She fights Teka, the big volcano monster, and, and fails. And then she has this moment where she comes to herself, sets out again, and then is victorious. And then she goes back to the island and, and uh, she has saved, she's saved creation herself. And that's a fantastic story. And that story is true. There are beats of that story in lots of different stories, like Luke Skywalker, born on Tatooine, who has, he wants to be a fighter pilot, who meets Obi-Wan Kenobi in a lightsaber, and then he fails, but then he has a come to his himself moment, use the force, Luke, and he like moves the thing and like shoots the thing and blows up the thing and then goes back home and is like victorious. There are these beats in this hero's story, but what is remarkable about Moana is not only this story, this hero's journey, that that certainly informs our Christian formation, this moment where she has this realization of who she is and where she is called to be. But the music in Moana tells this story in a fantastic, unique, and genius way. Do you hear what I hear when, when you hear uh, the, the music of Moana? It's fantastic, her opening song. Da, 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 da. The song sounds like an ocean wave cresting. It is intended to bring you somewhere. Right? And then the end the end of the song, right? She's constantly searching for the sea, to go out to the sea. And at the, end, at the very end of the song, how far I'll go. And she sets out, I'm going to give you one guess as to what note she's singing the whole time she's been searching for the C. She's singing C, right? Uh, how far I'll go. Shoot. That was a B. C. How far I'll go. Close. But then later in the story, you think that's enough. She found the C, right? She found the C. She has her calling, but then she fails and she has this moment and her grandmother is singing to her. The ancestors are singing to her. And instead of singing that C, how far I'll go. What happens is um, the music starts to hit that C that she has, she thinks she has discovered. Um, but it, it, it does one better. Lin-Manuel Miranda is, is, is incredible. Instead of how far I'll go, instead of going that, she goes, I am Moana. It's one note higher. So she has found that her calling isn't really the sea. It's something that is inside of her. She is even greater. Her importance in the story is even greater than the sea. And this is told musically, and it is fantastic. And I was explaining this in the podcast poorly, um, very quickly, because literally, as we were talking, the host was saying, you don't have time. We're like, ah, whatever. So like, jump into this whole musical Moana thing. And then afterwards, Christian was like, how do you, how do you hear that? How do you hear that? Right? Um, and it, well, I'm a music major. I hear music a little bit differently uh, uh, than other folks, but both for good or ill. And my wife will tell you for ill a lot of times. 
And it's, it's because, that's why I checked it. I was really close. It wasn't perfect. And I keep shaking your head. So I have this thing. So um, in high school, I had a, a 90% hearing loss uh, in my right ear. And when you're a musician, like that was, that was right around the same time I was singing in choir and, and playing music and really enjoying. So, so I was growing in musicianship at the same time I was hearing less and less. And that does something to your brain. What happens is you memorize pitches quite easily. I was half a step off, by the way. It's just so, so close. Because what happens, someone will sing a song at home, like, step into Christmas, we... And I'm like, it, it, if it's not in the original key, it really bothers me. And I, I literally sing out loud in the original key to like reset my brain. It is very... I know that this whole side of the room is judging me. I can see it on their faces. It's, it is, it is very much like Sheldon and Big Bang. There's just some things, you, if someone sings a song in the wrong key, I literally sing it out loud sometimes under my breath in the right key so that the gnawing in my brain will stop. It's not perfect, but it's really stinking close, right? Music, do you hear what I hear? Do you hear the same things that I hear? Music is fundamental to our human experience. Music is fundamental to who we are. I mean, did you know, I mean, just as for one example, there is a reason why an opera singer can sing over a 100 piece orchestra without a microphone. And it's because our ear canal is shaped in such a way to pick up the human voice. And for the natural frequencies of the human voice to resonate in our ears, we are built to listen to each other. We are built to listen to each other. J.R.R. Tolkien expresses this well at the beginning of the Silmarillion. He has this whole, like, um, uh, it's Lord of the Rings, it's a prequel to Lord of the Rings, uh, and he has this creation myth of how everything came to be, and everything came to be through music. And it's beautiful, and and I'm not going to paraphrase, I'm just going to read it because it's Tolkien and, and all you nice people need to hear it. Uh, he goes, as he's creating, Iluvatar, okay, Iluvatar is, is the, um, the god of Tolkien's universe. Just to have a nerd moment for you right now, Iluvatar is the god of the, so when you come across that word, uh, you won't uh, shriek in fear. Uh, of the theme that I have declared to you, I will now uh, give you so that you might make harmony with a great music. And since I have kindled you with the flame imperishable, you shall show forth your powers in adorning this theme, each with your own thoughts and devices. But I will sit and hearken and be glad that through your great beauty has been wakened into song. And then the voices of the Ainur, like harps and loops, lutes and pipes and trumpets and organs, and like countless choirs singing with words, began to fashion the theme of Iluvatar to a great music. And a sound arose of endless interchanging melodies woven in harmony that passes beyond hearing into the depths, into the heights, and the places of the dwelling of Iluvatar were filled and overflowing. And the music and the echo of the music went out into the void, and then it was not void. Music is how everything came to be in this 
Lord of the Rings universe. And that's not unlike our story in creation, right? God speaks into existence. Let there be light. Let there be waters. Let there be vegetation. It is the sound of God's voice that fills the void with grace. There's a holiness in harmony. There's a holiness in harmony. What I love about what Tolkien is saying is that no, you can sing your own verse, you can sing your own word, you can sing your own melody as long as it is in harmony with the great key. (laughs) As long as it is in harmony with one another. And in order to be in harmony with each other, we have to listen to each other. We have to deeply listen. So, we're going to try something and I know Methodists are not super with audience participation, but we're going we're to try this, right? You all are now going to be a choir for just a moment, okay? I know Candy's like, oh, great. Like, Candy is the sunshine of Asbury, but apparently not, not the singer of Asbury. No, is that not? Okay. So we're going to try something. This side, right? David, I'm looking at you because you're, you're, you're the chief voice over here, right? I want you to sing, la. Everyone sing that on this side over here. La, do, re, mi. I want you to sing these two sides. I want you to sing la. All right, let's try that again. Stop. So you you are la. Now in the middle, you're gonna sing la. And then over here, can you guess what your note is gonna be? Your note is gonna be la. Let's try that all at once. Ready and. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go, go, go. Louder. Come on. One more time. Ready and. <gasps> grow, 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 grow. Big. Come on. Down, 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 down. Right? Give yourselves a round of applause. That's amazing. Corey, you're welcome. We just now recruited everyone for the choir here at Asbury. In order to be in harmony with each other and with God and God's creation, we must listen well with one another. Not just to hear one another. Hearing is passive. Listening is active. Responding well to what someone else is singing and saying and thinking and and feeling. Listen to our text. Our text says, Here is my servant who I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nation. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. In other words, there's this assumption that the first activity of the Messiah is to listen is to listen. Or, if you prefer, you can quote my mother, who says, you have two ears and one mouth. Do the math. We should listen more than we speak. So there's this Messiah who's bringing forth justice, but he does it in a silent way. Why? Because later it says, The former things have come to pass, and a new thing I now declare before they spring forth. I tell you of them, sing to the Lord a new song. 
his praise from the earth. This Messiah is making room for us to sing this new song, creating an environment in which we offer our voice, in which we listen to one another, in which we enter into that primal moment that gave birth to creation to lift up our voices to that which is new. We sing, we dance, we celebrate. Music is fundamental to who we are. There on that first night when Jesus was born, we see this grand song of God, this where, where humanity and divinity is in harmony with each other and the heavens open up and the angels glory. I think that's what the song was. Um, Gloria in excelsis Deo. And the shepherds run with haste to see this symphony of God, this great harmony that brings about our salvation if we are willing to listen to the song Christ is playing. It is no surprise to me that this time of the year it is full of music. Uh, as soon as you hang up your Halloween costume, right? uh, the, the, the radio stations are playing Christmas music. And they should because Christmas is, and I'm not a, like, that's fine. I'm okay. I know it's not, I know it, like, I know it's Advent. Okay. Calm down, everyone. I think you should sing Christmas songs whenever you want to sing Christmas songs. Sing them in the St. Patrick's Day. I think you should walk in there singing Jingle Bells. Like, that's fine. It's beautiful because Christ is born and Christ is here. It's an abundant season. We can't hold all of the Christmas songs in Christmas. So please, sing them, share them, teach them. Can you imagine, can you imagine Christmas without music? One of my colleagues in ministry, Dr. James Howell, tells a story in his book, uh, The Beauty of the Word, which is a beautiful book. He tells a story when he was in seminary and one of his friends was suffering with cystic fibrosis. Every breath was a struggle. And her mother came in to care for her while she was in the hospital. And before uh, Dr. Howell, before James left, he saw his mother staring out into the window at night really looking out at nothing. And as a student, pastor, like, what are you, suppo what are you supposed to do in this moment? So he said, well, um, <clears throat> before I leave, uh, can, I, can, I, can I offer a prayer? And she said, you can if you wish, but no one's listening. And she stared out into the night. I certainly don't blame her for thinking that her petitions have been met with a deaf ear. You can pray. No one is listening. Last week, last week we talked about Simeon when Jesus was presented in the, in the temple. And it starts beautifully. Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my, eye have seen, my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. But I didn't tell you the whole story. Simeon goes on to say to Mary, he says, 
And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and then said to his mother, and this is a word for mom, only to her. Simeon says, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Mamas, you know when there's something wrong with your babies. A sword will pierce your heart too. It started great. There's this great prophecy. My eyes have seen your salvation, Lord. Let your servant depart in thy peace. And immediately after, he blesses them because they're going to need it. He blesses them and said, this is going to be really difficult. Your child is destined for the falling and rising of many. And a sword is going to pierce your own soul too. It's like standing outside of the window into the nothingness and young pastor says, can I offer a prayer? Sure. I've prayed. And have yet heard nothing. Now, yes, when Jesus was born, there were angels and shepherds and glory and, and peace. But then eight days later, they bring him to the temple. And Mary hears a word that will pierce her soul. It's disorienting. It's dizzying. It seems wrong. Jesus offers a new song. The prophecy says, let us sing to the Lord a new song. Jesus enters into that place. Christ enters into that place when you're looking out of the window, when there is silence. And it even says in the prophecy that he will not raise his voice. Jesus, with his own person, enter into, enters into these places, recognizing that we are human and that we are broken and that we are messy. There's tragedy and trauma. And sometimes we need to be given a new song because the old song just is not working. Christ offers a new song. It's a new song that brings joy to shepherds, but it also makes the Herods of the world quake from their temples. This new song that Jesus sings opens the ears of the deaf and the eyes of the blind, but this healing happens on the Sabbath, which creates discord and dissonance among the religious elite. This new song talks about the last being first and the Gentile being welcomed and eunuchs being baptized. This, this new song sounds like the change from the temple treasury cascading on the steps of the temple as he overturns the money changing tables and sings and says to them, stop oppressing the poor. This new song that he sings looks like Lazarus's tomb where Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. This new song that Jesus is singing is Talitha kum, little girl, get up. To the woman who is bleeding, he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. This new song that Jesus is singing is the salvation of us all. And this song takes time to hear because it's a song that turns the world upside down. And the only way 
for this song not to feel dissonant and discordant and, and, and cacophonous is for us to listen, to truly listen to one another, to listen to the heartbeat of God, to listen to the power of love. There is a tension. There's a tension in this new song, but it's not dissonance. It's not dissonance. It is leading. It's a tension that brings us to a new place. Like, for example, check, check yourself. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. It's not dissonant, but it is a leading tone. And we feel restless until we get to da. Or, or, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. But now I'm found, was blind, but now I. You're looking for the C2. Bunch of Moanas in the room. That's good. There's not a dissonance in this new song that Jesus sings. It is a leading tone. It brings us home. It brings us to a new place. And if we are not willing to listen to it, it sounds like tension. If, if, if we are like the Pharisees, it sounds like treachery. If we are like the Herods of the world in love with our own power, it will sound like dissonance destroying the harmony. But it is not. <laughs> it is a leading tone that leads us to home with God. Sometimes there is a holy tension in the song we sing. And sometimes it comes from unexpected places. I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. Uh, we were at, at Downtown Friends uh, a couple of years ago, and, and I brought Isabel and Anna Lee uh, to it. And on the way home, Anna Lee asked me a very simple question. She goes, Daddy, why are they homeless? So I, you know, as a professional religious person, jumped into, well, it's, there's a day didn't have a job, they don't have a job, and the economics of the whole thing, and maybe there's mental health issues or addiction, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. What she was saying is, the church has so many resources. Why are they homeless? In other words, how can there be homeless people when there are churches that can help? Her question was not, what's wrong with them? Her question was, what's wrong with me? Daddy, why are they homeless? That's a tension in the cord. It's not dissonant, but hopefully it leads us. Was blind, but now I. You're getting it. Yeah, yeah, good. You're beginning to sing with the tension. This week I pray that instead of hearing the Christmas music, hearing the bells, hearing the crazy crowds at Target, I pray that we begin to listen, to listen to the voices trying to be heard, listen to those who are crying for help, 
Listen for those who are also searching for the sea and their own calling to know their own importance and their own giftedness, to truly listen to the heartbeat of God. The gospel that we are trying to listen to just might come from a surprising place. Who are the children of the world who are asking us, why are they homeless, Dad? Are we giving them time to talk? Are we, like this prophecy says, are we not raising our voice in the city so that others can sing a new song, tell it, write it, singing, sing it. And here, as a pastor, I get to give you some really cool things like permission. I give you permission this week to connect with someone who needs to tell their story, who needs to be heard. And that person just might be sitting right next to you. Let us sing a new song to the Lord, or maybe listen to the holy song with new ears. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us pray.